You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We got so much to get to tonight. Monday Night Football in Mexico City. A whole host of teams that are not having a great Monday and lots of other sports news. But Fitz, we got a big announcement today. A big show announcement. And that is that Spain and Fitz is coming to an end in two weeks. We have about five or six shows left together with you bouncing to do some digital stuff and cheating on me right up until the end. Like, well, I mean, right I got to be consistent. I got to be until I mean, the end. That, that, that's what I'm not, I can't change. <laughs> Why would you now? Why start now? Um, but Thursday, December 1st will be our last show. Uh, I've been at ESPN Radio for 12 years. Um, I've had lots of amazing hosts, co-hosts and producers, and I've loved the work, but I would like to go to a happy hour. Oh, <laughs> and I oh. want to eat dinner before 9 p.m. I want to go to a concert on time. Um, it's really the schedule more than the work, which I really love, but it is also that I want to give some time and energy to other stuff, and that's tough to do with this schedule every single night. But I'm going to miss you, Fitz. Uh, well, I mean, happy hour at 3 o'clock, you know, before we go to work doesn't hit the same. I, I it's feel harder. It. I tried it at least once. <laughs> I, I will confirm and deny nothing at this point. Uh, I, I will say this, and I've said this repeatedly. You know, I think in our time together, the craziest thing to me is that the very first, you know, radio show that I had full time on ESPN was Spain and Fitz, the first iteration. And through that process, just the ability to work together for years and get to see so many different sports moments together for years, but also to learn how to watch more things and be more attentive to things that matter. Like, I, I really feel like our opportunity to hang out together every night has made me better at my job. So, uh, you Ditto. know, obviously we're, we're friends outside of everything else, but the work that we've done is work that I'm really proud of. And it's, uh, you know, I think this this show is. Uh, really contributed to sports memories for a lot of people. And that's the coolest thing about what Sports Talk Radio can be, not just for us, but for, you know, the people that were lucky enough give us the time to listen all the time. Yeah, the community is a huge part of this. And, of course, we're thinking about our biggest fans as we make this announcement. We'll still be around. Don't worry. Uh, there's plenty more to come in terms of announcements of what's next. But uh, the next couple weeks are going to be fun. So we do want to ask you if you've got a favorite Spain and Fitz segment, favorite guests. Uh, we'll put it up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed where you could be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation. Tweet us at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, and tell us those guests and segments you want us to get in the last couple shows. ESPN Nations presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Okay, we'll have plenty of time to talk about uh, our radio marriage and all the things that I've learned from you, which is a ton, and all of the ways that uh, I would show up to this show, sometimes tired and cranky and always leave in a better mood because you guys are awesome. But we got to talk about the news of the day, and that is Monday Night Football in Mexico City. And boy, will the fans there be excited to see Colt McCoy. Oh. Leading the Cardinals against the 49ers. No shade to Colt McCoy. But Fitz, this is maybe not the matchup we expected as Kyler Murray was really hoping to be healthy enough to make it. And instead, it will be McCoy with the Cardinals. Well, and this is one of the risks, I think, that comes with the international series. I, I Look, I've never minced words about not loving the concept of annual games in London. But this year 
has really opened my eyes. Like, I kind of like the fact that there are now random international games all over the place. So Germany was a great vibe. Mexico City, which has had uh, these games before, is always a great vibe. The only thing that stinks is if you're the NFL, you really wanted to give a great matchup. And I think going into the season, a lot of people expected the 49ers-Cardinals to be a matchup that had a lot to play for with two teams that are dynamic and fun to watch. Instead, they're going to get to watch you know one team that's dynamic and fun to watch and another team that's just trying to hang on for dear life. So uh, the good news is the 49ers are really popular down in that market, so it's going to be essentially a home game for them. The bad news is the Cardinals gave up a home game for this, so you know we'll see how they feel about that. Yeah, and this is a big deal for the Cardinals, Fitz. As much as they are on the decline and there's not a ton to play for in terms of people believing them to be a real contender, there are jobs on the line. And the way things have gone, uh, you know, for Kyler Murray post-contract, there's not a lot they could do about him. They're kind of stuck. But Cliff Kingsbury certainly needs to prove that he can help turn things around, whether it's Cole McCoy or Kyler or anybody else. Yeah, and I'm not sure what, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, what you do right now. Because there is a spot where you thought that your great star quarterback was going to continue to evolve and you thought that you could continue to evolve your offense around it. Instead, you have Colt McCoy and and now all of a sudden you, you have to at least look in the mirror and realize that with the money that Kyler Murray is being paid, that wasn't given for nothing. That was given for expectations. So if you're the Cardinals, the expectation was to be better than four and six. And I don't think either of us, you or I, came into the season believing that the Cardinals were going to be a great football team. But certainly people inside the building had to believe that they have their coach and quarterback. Otherwise, why reward with the big contract? And now you come into this game really with your season on the line and, and this thing could teeter because it's amazing how different. I know it's one game. But it's amazing if you tell somebody, hey, we're five and six versus four and seven. The, the difference that that mm-hmm. means for the rest of your season is so significant that you really got to see a level of urgency from the Cardinals and you have to see a level of competence from what they're putting together in a game plan. Let me ask you this. Does it help Kingsbury in any way for Murray to be injured for any stretch of time? Because then there's this sort of like shrug of, well, what could we be if he was healthy and here? Right. I mean, I know that there's been more than enough evidence so far that this ain't working and this ain't it. But does that almost help him in the sense of at least he has something to point to if they continue to struggle? You know, the funny thing is we spend so much time looking at quarterbacks. And when you and I have talked about the Bears, it's like, hey, as long as you see Justin Fields continue to develop, everything else is fine. And even if you lose a game like Chicago did yesterday, you can make the argument, hey, that's perfect. They're going to get a better draft pick. And Justin Fields continues to develop. Like, that's the way you compartmentalize it, right or wrong, in your mind. I don't know what you do when you're in this situation because it hasn't looked easy for this quarterback uh, and, and coach combo. I don't think ever, it, it's never looked dominant. And so now you keep looking at it and saying, well, if it can't look dominant when they're together, what will fix that? They've certainly tried. They've certainly tried to surround Kyler Murray with a bunch of weapons. It just hasn't worked yet. So at some point, you got to say, well, I'm going to stop running after the football and having it moved. You know, you don't want to Charlie Brown it forever. I think the Cardinals' only choice is to turn around and say, let's bring in a new voice and see if a new voice mm. can make a big difference. Yeah. Well, we will be watching intently tonight, 49ers versus Cardinals in Mexico City, 8.15 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Fitz, did you see the tweet about the most popular jerseys in Mexico? No. In terms of NFL sales? There are a couple that make some sense, especially if there's fans that are making a rush um, to go by because of this game. Fans who want to be decked out in the proper gear. Uh, which would be number five on the list, Nick Bosa from the Niners, okay. and number two on the list, George Kittle. Those 
I wasn't surprised by. I wasn't even surprised by Josh Allen at number one for the Bills. Uh, he's a young, exciting player on a team that started the season super hot. So if someone went out a couple weeks in, TJ Watt for the Steelers is an interesting one at number three. And at number four, Mac Jones, quarterback what? for the Patriots. Like, why? Just crushing the Mexican market. I mean, who would have ever thought that the, the number four, I mean, that makes no sense to me. None. Right. I, I mean, right. uh, it, there's not even, at least give me Jimmy G. Like, you know, 49ers yeah. are popular there. Like, I wouldn't be surprised with Jimmy G. But Mac, oh, man, yeah. those things are, the resale value on those by this time next year are not going to be good. Yes, sir! Yeah. <laughs> Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Raiders presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming up, uh, we will talk about another team that might have a controversy at the top. We'll explain next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Oh, there is only one scrub right now The Jets fans don't want none of. And his name is Zach Wilson. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say he's a scrub. He's a perfectly meh quarterback in the NFL. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, <laughs> Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. So we all saw it. Everybody, look, I've seen a lot of bad losses, Sarah. I don't remember the last time I saw a team punting away for overtime after just a you know an awful game, 3-3, late in the game. Zach Wilson looked at times like he had no idea how to football, to, to use the phrase we usually use for Harden. Uh-huh. Had, had no idea how to football. But by the way, let's not forget, Mac Jones wasn't much better. So, like, it was Tweedledum and Tweedledumber trying to play quarterback in this game. We get 3-3. Zach Wilson can't get anything done. The Jets po- uh, punt to the Patriots. You think the thing's going to be headed to overtime, and instead a punt return Oof. ends this whole thing. And, you know, it, it's it's an ugly, ugly, ugly way to lose. And even worse is at the press conference afterwards, you know, because uh, obviously things didn't go your way. Zach Wilson gets to the press conference where he's asked this question and gives this answer. As an offense, though, I mean, when you guys are only able to score three points, the defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you do you feel like you let the defense down at all? No. No, he just says no, no. no. And, and no. Sarah, like, look, you don't even. I'm not particularly smart, but if you ask me that question after that, I even I can figure out that the answer is, man, we just we're all working to get better every single day, and you know I need to do a better job, and I'm gonna do a better job, and we'll start putting in the work again tomorrow, and this is a process. Like, there are so many cliches. You don't say no after that heartbreaking loss. Yeah, that had big Cutler energy. <laughs> <laughs> which is not a great sign for the Jets. Um, it, the, it, the only way it could have been more BCE would be if he had actually just said, don't care. Oh, my God. Uh, which he almost did. I mean, that was the equivalent of that. And after that, the takes started coming pretty hot and heavy from people about not just his performance, which I heard someone describe as at least prove to me you've seen a football before, <laughs> uh, but also the decision-making now around this Jets team. And Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, was on primetime, and he pulled no punches. Oh, that's easy. He's the third-string quarterback, and he'll be running the practice squad uh, in terms of Mike White and Joe Flacco will be competing to start. I think this is an absolute no-brainer for head coach Robert Sala. If he does it any other way, he could lose the entire organization. And what I mean by that is, and Chris knows this very well, you know, a culture of accountability means exactly that. If you're overweight, if you're late, you get fined. 
And if you let one player not be held accountable who played so poorly and obviously has a lot of work to do off the field, it would just be fundamentally unacceptable to let him trot out there, even with the backup team on Wednesday's practice. He, he does not deserve to dress for the game. He's not good enough. And this is a team that has a lot of strengths going right now, and he is holding them back. Okay. I'm fully on board with that being an absolutely terrible game, followed by a reprehensible response to a valid question. But Fitz, if you go to the extreme of he doesn't deserve to dress for a game and he's now third string, you are it feels like you're ending any hopes of Zach Wilson being a starter at your team and you are sending a message that he wasn't trying more so than just wasn't good. And with the kind of season you're having, I don't know if you can pull that nuclear button, push the the nuclear option is what I think I'm looking for there quite yet. Yeah, I think to your point, it's a really college mindset on how to handle somebody that may need to refocus. And Mm. I don't know that that works in a professional locker room. I think that's why a lot of college coaches struggle when they get to the next level. For for me, though, you do have to look at at the organization at some point and say, what the hell are we going to do now? And I I said this on the ESPN Radio Sports Beat. I'll say it again. To me, there is a very real – every fan base needs to look at this Zach Wilson situation and remind themselves – If you think that tanking and letting your whole season go to you-know-what so you can get a higher draft pick is going to fix your organization because you're going to draft a quarterback, remember, you got a much better shot of getting Mitchell Trubisky or Zach Wilson than you do of getting some sort of savior that's going to make your franchise better. Like, we're not that far removed from that draft that gave Zach Wilson Trey Lance, who we still have no idea if he's any good. Trevor Lawrence, who hasn't been quite as good as people expect. Like, there's no sure thing. And Zach Wilson is a reminder that this is just a Mm crapshoot. I don't think it's a crapshoot, but it is exceedingly difficult to find the player that translates from the college to the pro game. And there's endless examples of that. And there's tons of research on that. And sometimes it's the ones that you don't expect that are drafted later that, I mean, look at some, you know, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, et cetera. And then the sure things don't pan out. I think for the Jets now, Robert Sala is in a very tough position of how do you maybe not push the, the the nuclear option like Tannenbaum wants, but also make clear that accountability will be required for players, especially when they have games as bad as that one, and that moving forward, you believe that this team can compete and that you need to make a decision then based on that belief. And he was on the Michael K show, the head coach of Jets, and Robert Sala seemed to be struggling with exactly how to not say the wrong thing or even say anything when asked about his thoughts on decision-making around the starting quarterback position. I wouldn't say wavering. I just want to make sure we're we're committed to doing the right thing for the organization. I know it's going to be demonstrative. It doesn't mean we're going to make a change. I just want to make sure that we're doing the right thing and I don't want to say something and then, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. If you're saying that, you're saying that. I mean, what else do you like? (laughs) I, I I just can't I can't imagine any other answer. If you're Robert Sala, again, just you know what's in front of you. You can say, hey, we're not making a change, and then still make one if you want to. But uh, the concept of, like, I don't want to say the wrong thing and we're still evaluating, that means the evaluation is done, right? I mean, it, it feels like the proof is sort of out there if you're if you're the organization. And, and frankly— Probably. I, probably. I mean, there's a chance that there are people up above that are like, look, we used a draft pick on this kid. I'm not ready for you to absolutely give up now and I'm afraid if you do then it's you know impossible to get back so it's possible it's possible that the decision hasn't been made but I think you're probably right that you don't say that unless you're ready 
to move on I, and, I mean, and replace him. If he doesn't get benched now, then you might as well leave him in the rest of the year. Because like, if that didn't get you benched, what's the hell will, right? right? Like, there, there's right. not. It's like, well, that game will forget. Especially when you're talking about, and this is something we talked about on Friday. When you've lost 13 straight games to a division rival, and you got to figure out how to get over the hump, this game was that hump. Like, it was right mm. there for mm-hmm. the Jets to go out and say, "No, we're going to end this streak, and we're going to be a different team." And when you lose that way. It just brings back the mentality of, man, we just can't beat this team. Like, there's nothing in my mind Zach Wilson can do that will hurt the psyche of the Jets against the Bears more than what he just did against the Patriots. Yeah, we were talking off air, like, who would I rather see? And I was like, Zach Wilson, for sure. Like, he'll just make those inexplicable decisions that Flacco might not. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking about a very bad, no good, extra terrible game for the Jets. Here's some more Robert Sala. Uh, he was asked if he thought maybe Wilson would lose the locker room on the Michael K show. No, because I, I don't think one mistake on the podium is going is indicative of the everyday conversations these guys have in the locker room. I get to the outside world, it's like, oh my God, look what he said. Well, they talk every day. That's not the language they speak. He's not walking in the locker room and flipping up the bird to those guys. It's a team. They're all in it together. They go to work together. They, they practice together. And there's a lot of conversations that everyone's having together. And so while the outside world might look at that thing and say, oh my God, look how he's talking to his team. They talk every day. Mm-hmm. And so he made a mistake and an emotional, you know, just think about these young men and he feels like he might be attacked and it just it didn't come off right so i think it's something that he'll be able to learn from by the way a pretty generous to say that the only reason that they might turn on him and he'd lose the locker room is because of this the speech after and not the play on the field yeah the one mistake wasn't the podium there it was the whole game like you know people ask me all the time how many tattoos i have and i'm like i don't know how you count my right arm because it's one huge skyline and that that seems like that should be more than one how many mistakes did zach wilson make right. yesterday it was a whole game you just take that and, you and after yeah it, it, <laughs> And presumably everything that came before it that led us to believe that he doesn't know the playbook. Yeah, I mean, the the, the amount of losses here that the Jets took is bigger than just what we'll see in the standings. ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and, of course, at Progressive.com. We'll get back to all of the NFL talk as we recap what happened and get you ready for Monday night. But... The U.S. men's national team kicked off their World Cup campaign today and might have lost without losing. We'll explain it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Wow, this is an appropriate tune. It's hitting kind of hard right now, though, as the uh, wonderful messages are pouring in, including some folks who are uh, desiring to make an appearance on the show before it's over, Fitz. So we're going to start a list and keep them coming at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Guests and segments you want to hear before we uh, before we get a radio divorce, as one of our <laughs> listeners put it. Says, uh, someone would like to airdrop a message. Your mother and I are getting divorced, oh, is what they described that uh, dead fish of an announcement at the top of the show as. Oh, that's amazing. Our apologies. We had to break it to you straight. Speaking of breaking it to you straight, giving it to you tough, Max Brayton host, voice of LAFC, and the host of the Soccer OG podcast. Going to do that right now and talking about the U.S. men's national team's first game in the World Cup or match, I guess I should say. And that's where I'm starting, Max. Before we got you on, we were trying to figure out how you say that a team drew a draw. (laughs) Did we just say they tied? (laughs) Do you say they drawed or drewed? Wait, first of all, you guys are getting a divorce? We are. Two more weeks of the show, and then we're going to eat dinner at a reasonable hour for once. Yeah. (laughs) 
But it's a very amicable, like the kids, we're going to split time with the kids. It'll be fun. It'll be good. Stay, we're going to remain friends. Conscious and coupling. 2022. I'm glad you guys are seeing it on the same on the same wavelength. Uh, that's a great question, sir. I don't know. I I, I get the, the look. The British vernacular we use in this sport. I do my best to get away from it because I think it's like it irks people when you start saying something like pitch and nil. They feel like what? So we try to Americanize it if there is such a thing. But uh, I guess uh, I guess Drew is probably the best one. They they got the tie. They split the point is another one they go. like to they like to use. So Max, then make me smart here because look, you you know, and I've always been transparent with you. Soccer isn't something that I even pretend to be an expert on. All I know is that I'm yelling at my TV suddenly because I've decided <laughs> that the officials are getting it all wrong. Uh, as someone that actually knows the sport, what were your takeaways with specifically the officiating in this match? Ah, uh, it was. Uh... The thing is, in a World Cup, if they get officials from all over, and let's be honest, just like the teams, there are really good officials that are professional in top leagues, and there's other leagues that don't have those resources. And this was a, a local ref from the Qatari League, uh, which I can't imagine holds a, a flame to the Italian or the German mm. league. But re- regardless, uh, he, was, he, was, he was lecturing the players a lot. When you see that at the beginning, you're like, uh-oh. It's like the principal at school, he's going to let everyone know about it. I don't think he saw a lot of the calls, but I guess the gist of it was Wales had a game plan to be really physical. I mean, they were just beating up Christian Pulisic. And if you get away with it, then you get away with it. And they did. And, you know, Pulisic was uh, – I mean, he may have lost – if he was a cat, he lost a couple lives right there. (laughs) And it was was really – it was hard to watch that. But then if you don't call it, the U.S. then started complaining a lot, and then you go down this – you go down this wormhole where uh, it, it's it, it's counterproductive and it, it it's unfortunate you're going to get games like that. The U.S. have to know how to handle it because it's going to be a blueprint. Maybe not against England. We're a pretty uh, positive team going forward. They're going to want to possess the ball. Wales is likes to defend. They barely touched the ball the first half. Their idea was to disrupt the U.S. and they succeeded. They made adjustments in the second half and were able to uh, to see it out and get a point. That's a tough one to give up at the mm-hmm. end, but. I will say there was a play at the end where Matt Turner, the goalkeeper, came way off his line, and Gareth Bale was about to hit that, and our player, Kellen Acosta, fouled him and got a yellow card. And my fear was if he didn't make that play, Gareth Bale hits that from 50 yards, and we're talking about it right now, and I'm holding back tears. So it could have been worse. Yeah, there were plays that were game savers in terms of not taking an L. Max Bretos is with us at Max Bretos Sports is where you can follow him. Voice of LAFC, host of the Soccer OG podcast. Um, a lot of people will argue that if not for the penalty, you know, that, that game continues on in the way that the U.S. was playing in the first half. Can it be summed up in that one big mistake? Or do you think the way that Wales changed things in the second half might have led to a goal anyway? Yeah, I, I was a little disappointed with uh, – so the U.S. had a great first half, one of the best halves I've seen them play in years. And it second half, Wales have to change their strategy. So they bring in Kiefer Moore, who was that six foot six striker. Uh, can't miss him. He was huge. He comes in, and he was, he was brilliant. And he was engaging our, defense, our center backs. And then Wales were starting to get some – they were starting to overrun our midfield a little bit. They were getting corner kicks and set pieces, and every time they hit one in, it was close. So there was a few chances for uh, Wales to get that goal. That was not an isolated incident. And is that, uh, that was kind of a to you? 
Is that uh, yeah? Is I think, that Berhalter not making the, Ber- the right substitutions? Yeah, I think if I mean I, I'm not Greg's a is a a very accomplished former player and manager, so I'm not going to second guess. But I would have liked he plays a four three three, so three guys in the midfield, and late in that game, our midfield was kind of in disarray. I would have said, why don't you bring? So Christian Pulisic's always moving forward, and then when he wants the ball, he has to come all the way back. I would have said, let him stay in the midfield or bring in some, a Gio Reyna or someone so they have a, an extra body there so that they can get some possession and, and distribute it. But unfortunately, I, I mean, he made some subs. And they, in, in, in all in a small way, it worked. But I thought uh, going against your formation and just doing a commonsensical thing, which, hey, we're, we're not doing well in the midfield, bring in another midfielder, and instead of a 4-4-3, I don't want to sound too soccer nerdy here, you play 4-4-2, and maybe that helps the situation because Wales really had the upper hand for the majority of that second half. At some point, if they adjust to you, you know, you got to adjust to them. So what, as a result of this draw, what's next for this team? Ugh. <laughs> Suffering. <laughs> it's going to be, as we all knew, it was going to be a lot. It's going to be agonizing. So what, what the tie does now is, it's kind of out of your control. You play England. You know, England's going to be a favorite. They scored six goals today. They look incredible. Wales play Iran. And let's say Wales beat Iran and the U.S. don't beat England. Say they lose. All of a sudden, you're in third place heading to that final game, and now you need help. Um, we have to hope that the Iranians play much better, and if they can tie or beat – a tie with Wales would be great. So we really have to be engaged in that game. And hopefully the U.S. gets something against England. I think they'll play well against the English. I think they're a good matchup for the English. It's uh, You just need now – I mean, you could have buried Wales, but now they're alive and kicking and inspired. And by the way, their, their fans were the best of any game. They were loud. They yeah. sang their anthem beautifully. So they're going to be well-supported. Uh, it's just now you uh, – if you beat England, then you resolve that. But if you don't beat England, then you're heading into that final game with, uh, with – you need some help. That's not the best feeling. You mentioned the Wales fans. It's been a long time since they've been in, and I love the stat that the first goal today was the first goal against Wales in the World Cup since Pele, which tells you that it's been a while. <laughs> a uh, so, young Pele. Wow. Teenager yeah. Pele. Yeah. Not old uh, man New York Cosmo That's Pele. right. It's been a while. Spain and Fitz. Uh, Max Brentos is with us here talking World Cup on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. I just want to briefly ask about some of the other stuff. We expected um, potentially some change-ups from the Qataris as far as what they expected fans and, and, and tourists to abide by here. I think the first warning was that switch up on the beer less than 48 hours before the matches started. And now today... Uh, the love armbands that were supposed to be worn by plenty of teams were threatened uh, to be met with yellow cards, and those teams backed off. Uh, Qatari officials stopping reporters like uh, Grant Wall in advance of entering the stadium because he had a rainbow shirt on, even though there had been presentations leaked that they were supposed to allow them. Um, are you concerned at all about how so quickly a lot of the promises are being revoked and what that could mean for the attendees there? Yeah, it's disappointing, Sarah. And the the big part is that you would hope FIFA would police it, and they are like they are just absolving themselves. Like, mm-hmm. it's a Qatari World Cup now, we're not going to get involved, which is just outrageous. You've got to, and someone's got to explain it. This isn't the Qatari World Cup. This is all our World Cup. You're hosting it. You are allowed to host it. And while we have to respect your culture, you have to respect uh, the visitors and what they're saying. And I, you know, and and the 
people that are coming to Qatar, um, obviously women's rights and then the rights of homosexuals in, in that country, which is criminalized. That, that I mean, we're not going to change that in Qatar. But while the World Cup is there, I was hoping there would be uh, some concessions. And they've actually been even more heavy-handed, um, which is really disappointing. And no one knows what to do. And I was a little disappointed because Harry Kane of England was supposed to wear the uh, one-love mm-hmm. armband and Chris, uh, Gareth, Chris, Gareth Bale was supposed to wear the, the one-arm armband. And they had been uh, threatened by getting a yellow card. And I guess that convinced them not to do it. And I was like... I know you don't want to get a yellow card, but what an amazing gesture right. that, that would be like if he comes out weak, with that and gets the yellow. Right, a weak yeah. stance to but give up so afraid. quickly. Yeah, yeah, but especially because a reporter, just... a reporter who is a woman of color and queer, continued to wear it. Um, I think putting herself at greater risk than a bunch of athletes who could have easily said, "We won't take the pitch if you yellow card us across every team that yeah. wanted to do it." I, I, you know, Sarah, there might be a, a situation here where it gets bad because it's going. Qatar is going to keep taking this, this organization is going to keep taking and taking and taking. They've, they've renegotiated on a ton of things. They even last minute changes, which I've never seen before. Like for instance, the first game of the world cup was supposed to be part of three other, it was going to be four games on the Monday. And they said, let's move the Qatar game to Sunday. You don't just do that on a whim, but they're doing whatever they want. They are pulling the plug on things. And I go, they're going to keep doing this. So I, I would I imagine we're going to have a moment in this World Cup where someone's going to be fed up. And maybe a player goes, you know what, I'm out. I'm not dealing with this. And it's going to be odd. And you don't – this is a World Cup. I mean, this is a once-in-a-lifetime. But I think something's going to happen. Something's going to give. And either maybe a player, maybe a coach, maybe a team is going to be like, that's it. We're not, we're not showing up for this game. Uh, it's possible because wow. um, you can't just grin and bear it. Maybe it doesn't right. happen. But I'm, I don't want to say I'm hopeful it happens. But I, I would really love to see it just to kind of go, yeah, it's just a little pushback. No, that's not yeah. how it works. You can't well, control, we will be, you uh, control this. We will certainly be watching and hopefully speaking out while we enjoy the games as well so we don't just allow the games to wash away these concerns. Max, so much uh, insight. Thanks for your time. Always appreciate you, my friend. Hey, if there's a divorce party, I want to attend. I know that's okay. kind of weird, but I mean, if there's like, <laughs> some, uh, there's like a kegger or something, I yeah. want in. You're in. We'll 100%. Hold it at, we're, we're actually going to hold it at the home of LAFC because that stadium is awesome. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> you guys are welcome anytime. Come and check out the Soccer OG every day of, of my World Cup Daily on YouTube and my podcast. It's having a, it we're having a great time doing it. That's right. Soccer OG podcast at Max Breto Sports is where you can find him. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Max. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz. Thanks. If you, uh, if you thought you had a bad weekend, we're here to tell you it could have been worse. It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Fitz and I had a great weekend. I mean, my team didn't win, and my quarterback got hurt. But other than the football part, I had a great weekend. Fitz's team won a football game. You're playing the Bengals right now, which, by the way, the Bengals, I had such a crush. Uh, Oh, my God. Yeah? Yeah, oh, my God. Like, yeah. All of them or just? No, no, no. Susanna Hoff, the lead Uh singer. Oh, the Eternal Flame video. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I think. uh, That was a jam. That was a bop. I don't know about the song, but I know the video was, oh, man, I think I lost my adolescence. You know the thing. crush was big if Fitz oh, couldn't man. even celebrate the Raiders oh, my when God. I teed him up for it. I'm sorry. You man, played you the Bengals, so and I just— I sidetracked just, my memories I mean, of that crush. Woo! Keep a focus, young I'm man. Take my jacket off. It's getting <laughs> hot in here. Huh? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, exactly. You call uh, me. Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We had good weekends. <laughs> Devin, unfortunately, saw his online betting account hacked into and— I believe several thousands of his dollars spent, but getting it all back, right, friend? 
Yeah, I'm hopeful. I mean, okay, uh, good. You're hopeful. Okay, I've good. Some uh, not by gambling, by the way, by just getting his money returned. Not yeah, no, by I, a, not by chasing Hawaii basketball or something late night. No, there was no Pac-12 after dark for me. I think yeah. this is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think this is a sign that I, you know, maybe betting is not for me. So maybe this is a good thing. Maybe actually losing this money in the short term will actually save me a bunch in the long term. Listen, yeah. the direction the industry is going, I don't think that's a wise decision. I think you got to. Yeah, did I say that out loud? Whoops. Yeah, don't don't say that out loud. Next thing you'll be saying, you're not going to watch football anymore it doesn't go over well you got to yeah. stick with the content i think what uh, devin actually <laughs> said is that he's going to give you his best bet next hour that's don't right. go anywhere that's right that's Perfect. right Love stone cold lock <laughs> of the week from devin uh coming coming in the next hour uh it's spain and fits you can hit us up on the dr pepper twitter feed at sarah spain at spain and fits at jason fits uh we had a great weekend devin had a bad one but devin it could have been worse did you have a bad weekend the jets stink i mean they stink well, you have no idea. Flacco, Schmacko, they're, they're, they're supposed to play better than that. It could have been worse on Spain and Fitz. That's right. It could have been worse. And that that intro was not made about the Jets, and yet it worked perfectly. <laughs> uh, that was an old intro that just uh, set up perfectly. But we already talked about Feel bad for the Jets having yeah. a very bad, terrible, no good day. Let's talk about the Vikings. Holy Fitz, they cut away from this game on the national broadcast. They were like, yeah, we're just going to send you to a different one because this is such a disaster. Dak Prescott left, I believe, having completed 88% of his passes. Uh, seven sacks taken by Kirk Cousins. Just a blowout victory, uh, the likes of which we haven't seen in quite some time, to the point that the Vikings now, despite having one of the best records in all of the league, despite you know, whatever you want to say about who they've beaten, which I've said plenty of times is not an impressive group of people, they are still 8-2, and two, but they have a negative point differential at 8-2. and two. The craziest thing to me is that the modern NFL this season, a week ago, it was the Viking answered all the questions. Yep. They took care of everything. Look, they showed you who they are in Buffalo. Gritty team came together with that sort of win. You can't deny them. And then a week later, it's the Vikings reminded you of all of the questions because they can't beat good teams. Like, this is the wildest NFL year I can remember in a very long time. And the fact that the Cowboys went out and did everything they wanted, I, I know – it's, it's simple when you're behind a lot to this defense. They're going to key off, and they're going to mm-hmm. be able to absolutely kill anybody on that side of the ball. But even the Cowboys, their ability to say, we're going to run here, and you knew it was going to be a run, yep. and you couldn't stop it. Then it was, mm-hmm. we're going to throw here, and you knew it was going to be throw, and you couldn't stop it. Like, the Cowboys looked like they were playing a video game. It was so easy. Fitz, you know, like most of the time, I'm pretty nice to people unless they're rude to me. And I had to take the receipts and dunk all over the people who said I shouldn't have a job and I'm a moron and eat bleep because I said I wasn't impressed by the Vikings win so far. I didn't even dog them. I just said I wanted to see more. I wasn't impressed. I thought the Cowboys were going to win. And uh, told you so is, I guess, what I need to say here. Uh, The Vikings, not the only team, though, that had a rough weekend. Uh, The Giants took a big L, and unfortunately for them, it wasn't just the kind of game where afterwards you say, okay, you know, pick it back up next week. They just had an off day. This was a loss that's going to have some of those conversations that were rumbling about how valid their 7-3 and record was. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to spur on more of those conversations when you take an L to the Lions, and Brian Dable talked about it after the game. I'd say nothing looked good enough today. Oh, you know, when you lose... You know, I don't, again, we, 
it doesn't matter about yards, stats, any of that stuff. You know, when you, the only thing that matters is executing the way we need to execute. Um, and just wasn't good enough today. Yeah, and Alan Hahn on Barton Hahn today spoke about how not being good enough is going to be something talked about a lot. Are they in a weird, like, sort of no man's land place? Because the quarterback is one where you either have to decide he's our guy and we'll keep him for the next at least you know couple of years, or we're going to go out and find a veteran. Joe Shane doesn't have an easy offseason coming up. Now you got to decide what you want to be going forward. What can you be with the contracts you got to deal with and two critical positions, obviously, in quarterback and running back and what you do with both of these guys? Because that decision could decide what the next five years look like for this franchise. Can they build to a true contender? Or do they just fall out completely and this was like an aberration year? Yeah, mm. and, and I think what hits me, if you look at the recap that the Associated Press wrote, the, the line in there, they said the New York Giants looked lost for the first time this season. Watching the game in the first half, that was the biggest part that surprised me. Like, it didn't look like there was a plan to what they were trying to execute. I'm sure there was, but it just looked like they couldn't get any rhythm. And we haven't necessarily seen that from this Giants team at all this year, where it's like, I have no idea what they're trying to accomplish. I just know that the Lions seem to have a better direction and a clearer plan of what they're trying to accomplish, and there's no answer. That's rough. That's rough to hear, right? Uh, I mean, the Ravens are also a team that's been very inconsistent and up and down. They got the win, but boy, was it way too close. Uh, and, and you go into that game expecting to see them... Uh, really, really, you know, show something, prove something, have an easy go of it, and instead they just eat past Carolina. And then the Eagles, Fitz, that was a team that we were all real hot on, and recently there's been some questions. I mean, the Colts really had an opportunity for Jeff Saturday to start 2-0, and and they <laughs> they shot themselves in the foot a few times on what could have been touchdown drives and some missed opportunities. They, mm. they really gave that one away. Yeah, it was a rough weekend for a lot of those teams. We'll see who has a rough Monday night. Monday night football starting soon. We'll get you set for it next Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.